2, please. Stand with me. We'll turn to Matthew chapter 2. And tonight uh, is Wednesday night. We have a Bible study. We just had our time of prayer together as we went to the Lord on communion time. And uh, thank you for doing that with me. Appreciate you. Tonight I want to continue this thought. And I, I pray that I won't be long. I, I realize what time it is. I know it's a Wednesday night. But let's just look to the Word of God for a moment. And let's study it for a short time. As I want to continue this thought tonight on watching and waiting for our Lord. The prophecies of the Old Testament, we know, we know that there were many, right? We know that there were many of those that would, uh, the prophecies that pointed to the Christ to come. We realize in Isaiah 7 how uh, Isaiah said, A virgin shall conceive. They were looking forward to the Savior to come. We realize that in, Ma- in Isaiah chapter 9, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We realize in Micah that he even told us where he would be born, and that of Bethlehem, when he said, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from of old from everlasting. And as I think about that, I was, I was looking through the New Testament and thinking about how these wise men here for a moment in Matthew chapter 2. These wise men were waiting and watching for Christ to come. That's why they saw a star, they were waiting for him. They were looking. They were saying, God, I know you're coming soon. And they were watching for him. And then they saw a star. And by faith, they said, that's it right there. That's what God's doing. That's the sign right there. And uh, as I was thinking about that, and then, and then I, thought, I thought again uh, how uh, you go from that and you go into Luke chapter 1. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 1 how that Zacharias and Elizabeth... Now, do you remember whose parents those were? John the Baptist. That's right. Elizabeth was the the cousin of Mary. And the Bible says that they were just and and faithful. I think think it says they were were righteous people. And they they were, he was a priest in the temple, and she was faithful. They were of old age, and uh, and they they were faithful to the Lord. Doing what God had told him to do. And that's when Gabriel came to Zacharias and said, Hey, you're going to have a child and you're going to call his name John. And they knew that he would be the forerunner of Christ. I think about how, uh, of course, you go from there and you go into uh, to, to Luke chapter 2, how Elizabeth, um, how when Mary came into her house, she said the babe leaped in her womb. We don't see record there of... of Mary telling Elizabeth everything. They didn't live next door. They didn't have telephones in those days. But when she came into the house, the Bible says that John in her womb leapt because Mary had walked in. And and she in faith, looking forward to what was to come, was waiting and watching for Jesus. When I think about as 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 you go further down into Luke chapter 2, there was a man in the temple by the name of Simeon. Do you remember him? Look, would you turn with me? Actually, I know I didn't read in Matthew 2, but I'm having you turn. Would you go to Luke chapter 2, please? I'll have you be seated in just a moment. 
give you a chance to stand there. I don't want some of you to fall asleep on me. Luke chapter 2. In Luke 2, look at verse 25. Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What is consolation? He's waiting for something or someone to, to uh, I wrote it down here, a person or thing that is a source of comfort in a time of suffering, grief, or disappointment. The Jews were in a time where they were conquered. They had been conquered by so many people. And they were under the Roman rule. And they were looking for the Savior to come that would comfort them, that would bring, that he would set up his kingdom and all that. They didn't realize the church age and they were waiting for Christ to set up his kingdom. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Look at verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's pretty specific, isn't it? That he would see Christ in the flesh. He knew that any time that Christ would come. And God had said, you're going to see Him. With your own eyes, you're going to see Him. He goes down here through and He says, He finally sees Him. Verse 30, For my eyes have seen Thy salvation. As you go to verse 36, there was Anna in the temple as well. And we know here that she was of great age and she had been a widow a long time. And verse 38 says, uh, well verse 37 says that she was in the temple and much time in fasting and prayer. Verse 38, And she coming in that instance gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of Him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. There were people waiting for Christ to come. As I think about John chapter 4, and I'm almost done here, I'll let you be seated. In John chapter 4, do you remember the woman at the well? Jesus is talking to her. What did she say to Christ? She said, I know that Messiah cometh, come, cometh, and when He comes, He will tell us all things. Remember she said that to Him? Even, even uh, the woman at the well, who was of mixed seed, Jews and, and others, and, and they weren't looked upon very well, but they knew the Scripture, and they said, she said, I know Christ comes. Now she didn't know the time frame, but she said, I know He's coming. Let's pray tonight and I'll let you be seated. And I want to look at just a little bit in the Word of God and help us to understand this. Lord, thank you for the Bible study. Thank you for communion time. I pray that you'd meet with us, help us, and teach us the Word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll let you be seated there. How did they know? Here's the question I have for you tonight. Is how did they know, how did the wise men know to be looking for the star? How did Simeon in the temple know that that time frame was drawing near to hear of the Holy Ghost that he would see the Christ. How did he know that? When I try to think about my life, and, and I know that, that God said in the book of Acts that we aren't to know the times and the seasons, that we don't know when, when Christ would, will, will come and rapture home the church. We know clearly, evidently from Scripture, that's the very next thing that's going to take place on the timetable of, of, of God's timetable of prophecy. We know that we're awaiting. The Bible says that, that we're looking for that blessed hope in, in Titus. 
He says that. But that was not the case in the Old Testament. In fact, God gave them a very clear timeline of when Christ would come. And I didn't really understand all this until I started asking questions. I think the Holy Spirit was poking me and asking me these questions. I started studying a little bit. And uh, I'm going to ask you to go with me to Daniel chapter 9, please. Go back to Daniel chapter 9. Now, if you listen fast and pay attention fast, I'll preach fast and we'll get through this. Can you do that for me? But it's contingent on that. If you listen fast, I'll preach fast. All right. Now, Daniel, of course, we have the first half of the book where we have the history of what Daniel goes through and, of course, the three Hebrew children. But we have the second half of Daniel that often we don't pay a lot of attention to because it's prophecy And sometimes it's difficult to understand. But in Daniel chapter 9, and many of you are Bible students and you'll know where I'm going here. In Daniel chapter 9, we have something called the 70 weeks of Daniel. The 70 weeks. Now in Daniel chapter 9, if we go into verse 20 here, he's saying that I'm praying. He says, I was having a time of prayer. In verse 21, he says, Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. So he's in a moment of prayer. He's spending time with God. And then Gabriel shows up and gives him some prophecy along the way. Look at verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the Most High. That's a lot of stuff in that verse, isn't it? Brother Neil, that's a lot of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. So as we look at that, as we look at that verse there, Look what he says. He says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, so that's Jerusalem, to finish the transgression. What does that mean? To finish the transgression. For sin to be accomplished, to be done with, right? To finish the transgression, that's sin. To make an end of sins. What could that be talking about? Maybe when Jesus died on the cross and conquered, uh, gave redemption for all of sin, yes? Okay, and then he says, to make reconciliation for iniquity. What does reconciliation mean? Man and God being reconciled, right? Back, peace between them. God's God's, uh, uh, wrath and the judgment to come is appeased with the blood of Christ, yes? Reconciliation. So Jesus died on the cross and then the Bible teaches that he arose up to heaven and put his blood on the mercy seat. Remember when he saw Mary, he said, don't touch me, I haven't ascended yet. Remember that? Because he was on his way to heaven to apply that blood in the sight of God the Father so that you and I could be justified. In other words, God would see the blood and and see us through the blood and say we're white as snow when we get saved. Right? So that's an important part of doctrine right there. Not just redemption on the cross, but the fact that God the Father sees us white as snow. Amen? Right? Because I was born after the cross. And I've lived and I'm still a sinful man on this earth. But as 
I'm saved. And by the blood of Christ, faith in that, in what he has done, God the Father looks at me and all of me and sees me white as snow because of the blood of Christ. It was put to my account when I got saved. With me? It's justified in his sight. So that's what it's talking about there. And then he says, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Bring in everlasting righteousness. Could that be talking about the millennial kingdom, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ? Or could it be talking about even eternity past that point when we're forever with the, with the Lord? And to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Who's the most holy? That's the Lord Jesus Christ when he sits on his throne forever, right? So 70 weeks are determined for all these things to take place. Interesting. Now, I looked up the word weeks. I, I, I'm using the screen tonight, too, to help us. Hopefully it works. It's not working. Okay. Oh, there it is. All right, good. 70 weeks. It's slow tonight. You've got to wake it up. All right, good. 70 weeks out of Daniel 9 here, okay? Now, I looked up that word weeks, okay? And I wrote it down here. I want to get it right. The word weeks in the Hebrew is Shabuah, Shabuah, Shabuah. And it sounds funny, okay? But it's literally three, three words there. Shabuah, Shabuah, Shabuah. And I could be pronouncing it wrong. Just, I promise you I looked it up. All right, good. It means sevened. As in, the, as in the number seven with E-D behind it. Sevened. Okay? And the root there means seven times. So when you see weeks... The word weeks means seven or seven times. And, and it can, that, that word here can be either a short period of time as in seven days, or it can also be a longer period of time as in seven years. And so when we look at the 70 weeks of Daniel, we understand, and when we understand now looking back at that time, we understand that really what it's talking about is a seven-year period. Okay? So one week here equals seven years. And so, so really what it is here, I should pull out this paper that Brother Williams made for me so I know what's coming here. Okay? Seventy weeks. If we understand that a week means seven years, we're saying that 70 times seven. Somebody help me with math tonight. we have any good math people in here? What is that? 490 years, isn't it? Are you guys doing that or am I doing that? You're doing it? Okay, all right, good. Praise God. I put that thing away. All right, good. All right, so 490 years is what he's saying. He's saying that 490 years need to take place for all these things. You with me tonight? You follow me? 70 weeks is talking about, in, in our English right here tonight, is 490 years. And that's what Daniel's talking about. I'm trying to understand, how was it that these, these men, we say three wise men, but we know there was three gifts. We don't know how many wise men there were. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But we know these men are in the east, right? What does that mean? Where were they? The east of Jerusalem. They, were, they, they must have been in the east of Jerusalem is a big desert. And then beyond the desert is Babylon. And then beyond Babylon is Persian, Persia. The capital of Persia. 
right? So Daniel was in both those places. Daniel's writing, these wise men came from somewhere over there. They could have been in Babylon. They could have been in the capital of Persia there, wherever that was, okay? But it's all east of Jerusalem. And so they, knowing the writings of Daniel and looking at this timeline, they're looking at 490 years in our, in our English language of saying that, 490 years. Now, with those 490, 490 years, he unfolds it a little bit more. Okay, Next slide, please. All right, seven weeks are unfolded in the, in the continuing verses. Look at your scripture here in Daniel chapter 9. Look at verse 25. I got, this gets interesting to me, and I hope not to lose you tonight. Remember I said, you listen good, I'll preach. Well, I don't know how that works, but anyways, we'll move on. Okay, verse 25. Here we go. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. All right, so everybody see that? There's seven weeks and then there's, what is three score and two? 62. So there's seven and there's 62. How many weeks is that? Seven plus 62. It's 69. 69 weeks, you with me? Okay, next slide please. Uh, Brother Williams or whoever is pushing the buttons up there, you just keep it going as you see fit. All right? Okay, good. Thanks. Uh, so you see that seven weeks, he's breaking it down here in verse number, I done lost my place here. Let's, let's go here. Chapter 9, right? 25. He says seven weeks and then he says 62 weeks. See that? But look, let's keep reading. Verse 26. And after three score and two weeks, that's the 62 weeks there. Shall Messiah be cut off? What does that mean? What does it mean for a Messiah to be cut off? Kind of sounds like being crucified, doesn't it? Yeah. Kind of, kind of like he come unto his own, his own received him not because he was crucified. Yes. Right? Shall, he be, uh, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself? And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Look at verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for what? For one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblations to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. To help you tonight, for sake of time, verse 27 is talking about the tribulation period. Okay, if you haven't caught that, 27 is one week. It's a seven year period talking about the tribulation time. And that prince there that it said in verse 26 is talking about the Antichrist. And the Bible says for, seven year, for a seven year period of tribulation, he's going to set up, he's going he's to make peace with people for a while. Okay, when the rapture happens, think with me now. When the rapture happens, there's a lot of things that are going to take place that are going to be pretty scary for everybody left behind. Planes are going to be dropping out of the sky. Business deals are going to go awry because somebody's gone. Okay? Think about, think about the people in this church that are left behind. <laughs> right? And somebody's going to show up for school and say, what? What happened? 
Where's my teacher at, right? Or maybe there'll be a teacher that's left behind saying, where's my kids at? I don't know, but pray, hopefully not that case, all right? We want people to be saved around here. But understand that somebody, Brother Stanley, somebody's going to be driving a bus and the bus is going to go off the road. Lord, help me not to be on that. Well, you'll be saved, so you go go raptured up, right? There's going to be a lot of things that are going on, and the Antichrist is going to come into place, and he's going to kind of piece things together and make peace or make sense of all that's happened. And the Bible says that everybody else will believe a lie. They will be deceived. Okay? And for a seven-year period, he's going to have a covenant, even with the Jews, for a time. And he's going to make peace with them. But notice in verse 27, it says, In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblations to cease. What that means is halfway through the tribulation time, the Antichrist is going to break his covenant. He's going to come into the temple. The temple will be rebuilt at that point. He's going to cause the oblation and the sacrifice to cease. And it's talking about a desolation here, a, a, a desecration, desolation, using some different words there. I believe what it's talking about is he's going to set up idol worship of himself in the temple. As in, I'm the one you're supposed to be worshiping. Okay? That's what it's talking about when it's talking about one week there. So the reason it's broke down like this is it has seven weeks, then it has 62 weeks. And remember, we just talked about this recently. The Old Testament prophets could not see the church age. It was a mystery to them. Remember, I just preached on that recently. It was a mystery to them, the church age. They couldn't see it. They didn't understand. The disciples thought that Jesus, after he arose from the dead, was going to set up his kingdom immediately. They didn't understand that he was going to ascend and there was going to be a church age. And so, uh, the, even Daniel here goes right in from, from week 69 into week 70, that one week of tribulation time. Because he couldn't see the church age. The only thing separating Christ's ascension into heaven and his return and all that is the church age. They couldn't see it. All right? Let's continue to the next slide, please. Now, we know the 70 weeks, seven, excuse me, 70 weeks equals 490 years. And so when he broke it down there in verse 24, 25 and 20, uh, through 27, Seven weeks are 49 years, 62 weeks are 434 years, and one week is seven years. It all equals there. I'm giving you the math problem here. Okay? So, Pastor John, what are you doing and why does this make sense? Because when I study the Bible, I've got to know what, how it works. Okay? This is Bible study tonight. How did, the, how did the wise men know to be looking for that star in that time period? How did, how did Simeon know that he would see the baby in his lifetime? See the Christ. Because he knew of Daniel's teachings here. This is, this, these are years here. Okay? And so, uh, next slide, please. Now, notice verse number 25 again. Look what it says. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to what? Restore and to build Jerusalem. There's a commandment that's going to take place for the city of Jerusalem. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it. It was destroyed. And yet there's a commandment coming to rebuild it. They're going to rebuild the temple in the book of Ezra. And then in the book of Nehemiah, 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 they're going to return and rebuild the wall. And the whole city really is going to take place at that point. Uh, now, there's a little bit of time between those, but not a whole lot. 
And we know in the beginning of the book of Ezra, the man Zerubbabel, who should have been sitting on the throne, comes back and leads the group to rebuild the temple. Then halfway through Ezra, if you've studied this, I think it's Ezra 7, the man Ezra leads a group back and has revival, and they finish the temple. And then Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king, remember? And he hears about the rest of the city, how it's in, how it's in rubble. And he gets, he gets convicted about it. He gets a burden on it. He says, I need to go back and rebuild my city. And he goes back and he rebuilds the wall, and the city's reestablished. Okay, that's the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. It's a great study. If you've never read them or never really got deep into that, you should. It's a great, great time. And that's when um, Nehemiah, right as Nehemiah is coming off the scene, Malachi writes his book. And that's the end of the Old Testament. Okay, I know the Old Testament's broken up a little bit, but that's how it's all laid out. Okay, and so what he's saying here is rebuilding Jerusalem to Christ is going to be Seven weeks plus 62 weeks. How many years is that? 483 years. You with me? Now, Daniel, when he wrote this, didn't know rebuilding of the city. He didn't know all that was going to be. This, he's looking forward in the future. We're looking back at what has already happened. So is he talking about the rebuilding of Jerusalem when Ezra went back to rebuild, or excuse me, when the, Ezra won, when Zerubbabel went back to rebuild the temple? Is he talking about when Ezra went back for that revival and finished it? Or is he talking about Nehemiah 1 when he went back to rebuild the wall? What part's he really talking about? Because they're broke the time for it's not all the same year. So let's continue. Next slide. 483 years BC before Christ, but I added crucified in the in the parentheses there. Notice verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be what? Cut off. It's not just saying before Messiah comes, but before Messiah is cut off. Right? So in other words, crucified. So 483 years when Christ would be crucified. Now, thank you. 33 years. He's keeping me on the time frame here. He's pushing me along a little bit. 33 years. Didn't that roughly 32, 33 years when Jesus was on earth? Yes? You follow me tonight? Okay? So 33 years. If you take 483 minus 33, well, how many years left is that? 450 years. So what we're saying is B.C., 450 years, must have been the rebuilding of the temple, according to Daniel. Now, a lot of you are going to have dating a dating system in your Bible. I've referenced that before. And some of you know, understand that there was a man by the name of Usher in the 1800s, I believe is when he lived. And he had dating and he went back in the genealogies and all that and he figured out a dating system for the Bible. It is not inspired of God. It was man-made. But it is a help to us. And so if you have that dating system in your Bible, you can look at Ezra chapter 1 and see what the date is. I actually wrote it down. Ezra 1. Did you have anything else for us? Can you hit it again? Oh, yeah, okay. So rebuilding of Jerusalem to the birth of Christ. All right, good. If you want to leave it there just for a moment, or that's the last one, I believe. So I went back in Ezra, and I looked at Ezra 1, and it says 536 B.C. I went to Ezra 7, and it says 457 B.C. I went to Nehemiah 1, it said 446 B.C. I went to Nehemiah at the end of the book. He comes back another time after everything's already finished. 
he comes back every next and he says 434 BC. So how many years between the rebuilding and Christ to come? 450 years. The closest thing on Usher's dating there is Nehemiah 1 is 446 BC. Now, is mankind ever wrong? Of course he is. So that dating system can very well be wrong, that 446. I could also be wrong in assuming that it's Nehemiah 1 that he's talking about. I could be wrong. But what I'm telling you is, is the wise men were studying this. They were in the Word of God looking at the prophecies of God and knowing any time the King is coming. And then when God showed them that star, they said, this is it. My faith of looking at the Word of God, knowing the Scripture, knowing the prophecy, waiting for His coming, and look, look at that. That must be it. My faith now revealed to my eyes. And they moved on it. You with me? Okay, so that's the Bible study tonight, the 70 weeks of Daniel. That's how it all lays out. That's what, that's what God has done in my heart this week. But let's make great application here. You and I are supposed to be waiting for His coming. You and I are supposed to be waiting for His coming. Christmas was the whole purpose was that He would come to die for the sins of His people. And then we realized, then He taught us about a church age in which we were to live with His Holy Spirit and reach the world for Christ as we wait for His appearing to come again. Yes? Am I living... Am I living like I mean that? Like what I'm preaching, what I'm saying, that I'm supposed to be living, waiting for His appearing, that I'm looking towards the eastern sky. That would be this way, right? Looking towards the eastern sky, waiting for His appearing, right? Do I live like I mean that? That's convicting right there. I don't know about you, but that's convicting to me. Do I live in the Word of God And acting the Word of God in faith that I'm supposed to be telling people about His coming, that I'm supposed to be training my children, teaching them about His coming, that I'm supposed to be living with a mind and heart focused on Christ awaiting His coming. That's convicting to me right there. Just a little study for you tonight, a little thought, a little something to carry with us. Are we really living like we're awaiting His coming. They did in the Old Testament. Well, the few, right? The Bible talks about a remnant. The remnant returned to Jerusalem to rebuild it, right? There was a small remnant that were waiting for His coming. And then us, the so-called, was it one-third of the world that calls themselves Christians, yet there's a small remnant that are truly awaiting His coming. Let's be that remnant. Lord, help us tonight, please. Thank you for this time of communion, this Bible study tonight. Thank you for your people being in the Word of God. Thank you for the study. I pray, God, tonight, please, that you would help us to await your coming, Lord, with faith, with with having it on our minds, Lord. It seems as if Christians nowadays, Lord, are living as if we really don't believe in the rapture of the church. God, we just do whatever we want and we just, we just go about life and we think about the next thing and, and we're thinking about five years down the road. Lord, you could come tonight. You could come tomorrow. 
What a joy it would be Christmas morning as we're in here celebrating your birth that you'd come again. God, I pray that you'd help us, please, to have that thought tonight and have some conviction in our life that, Lord, we ought to live like we mean that, like we're awaiting your coming. And I pray that we would be more willing to share the gospel this week with somebody and saying, Jesus came once, he's coming again. Lord, that we'd give the gospel out. Lord, I pray that whatever we do would be for your glory as we await for you to come in your glory to rapture us home. Thank you, Lord, for tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen.